And now we'll have a scripture reading for those of all ages, at least 12 and up. This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. It reads, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed with, like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we get ready for the message this morning. Lord, we look to your cross in amazement as we think back on this passage, that you would love us so much that you would endure its pain and torture for us, that you so loved us that you would do that. And it stands forever in your word and in our hearts as a reminder of what it cost, but the beauty of redemption that it brings. And we ask now that you would anoint our pastor with words, that you would give him an instructed tongue, that he would speak from your heart. Amen. All right. Good morning, church. He is risen. Amen. Welcome to this beautiful Easter service on this beautiful morning where we get to gather and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Today for our church will mark only the beginning of the celebration of the resurrection. For the coming weeks, we will be continually looking at stories and passages concerning the resurrection because his resurrection permeates all of our life. It provides us with all the hope that there is to be found in this life. And it's so important that Paul said, if the resurrection is not true, then your faith is in vain and that Christianity is a fraud. Everything hinges on the truth and reality of the resurrection, the historical reality. It's an event that actually happened. Friday night, we looked at the reality that Jesus died for us so that we may die with him. If you missed that sermon, we encourage you to check it out. 
And today we're going to be looking at a very similar truth that Jesus was raised from the dead so that we may be raised with him, even today. Now, I grew up in the church. Uh, I think I shared Friday night. You know, I felt as if I was born in a pew. And I was taught to share the gospel in a way that sounds like this. You are a sinner. The punishment of sin is death. Jesus died for your sins in your place. Believe in him. Receive eternal life. Go to heaven when you die. And pray with me, right? And they pray this, this, the sinner's prayer and everything is there. But here is the problem. With that message, there's something that's kind of missing. Where's the resurrection? It's kind of implied in eternal life, but not really mentioned. I remember, this is probably 15 Easter's ago, after growing up in the church, sitting in a church lobby on Easter morning, and someone asked me, why did Jesus rise from the dead? I actually did not have an answer to give, right? And as we said, this is so important that if it's not true, we don't understand the meaning of it. I mean, this is the center of our faith. We have to really work through this. So this morning, we're going to see just how the resurrection is absolutely central to our faith. and not only has meaning for you uh, tomorrow when he returns, we'll look at that, but today can literally change you and give you new life now. There are four ways we're going to look at this morning out of many. I had to pick and choose because there is a multitude. The list is long enough to fill many volumes of books. But here are four ways that will show us in the scriptures what the, new, what the resurrection means for us today. Number one is that it, can, it means that we can receive a do-over. We get a new start, a fresh start at life even today. The number two, it means that rivers of living water can flow out of you by the Spirit of God sustaining you into new life today. Three, that all this means you can be raised with him today. And four, that his victory over death means that now nothing can separate you from the love of God. So let's start with number one, receiving a do-over, receiving a new start. There's a story of, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, that one night Jesus was visited by one of the more powerful religious leaders named Nicodemus. He had to sneak in at night because he didn't want people to know he was meeting with them. He came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, Rabbi, I know you were sent from God. I've seen the stuff you're doing, the miracles you're performed. You must be from God, but I need to know more about what you're really about. My paraphrase. Jesus does not waste time in the conversation. Being the God-man in flesh, he sees directly into Nicodemus's heart, and he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus was a little confused. He continued to engage Jesus in a bit of back-and-forth dialogue and a series of questions, trying to figure out what exactly he meant by this idea of a new birth. This eventually led Jesus to say what is now one of the more famous verses in our Bibles. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal 
life. Jesus says that we must be born again and receive eternal life. Now I want to pay attention to that all too familiar verse, John 3, 16. You will not one day receive eternal life. Reading it slowly, it is the present tense. You can have it now. You will not be born again one day, but born again now. That phrase eternal life uses the word zoe for life. It's a word that literally means the life of God. The kind of life God has. Jesus is offering us the fullness of the life of God into your life even now when you place your faith in him. That certainly refers to immortality. We believe that upon faith in Jesus, yes, when you die in this life, you will be with in him in heaven forever and ever and will return in a renewed body when he comes back on that day. But the life of that age that is to come, it can begin now in your heart, in your spirit. That even though we die in him today, we shall live born again. Have you ever looked at your life and have regrets? Ever look at your past with a sense of failure? Are you walking in here this morning all busted up from life, just tired of your sin, tired of failing, and all those things run into your mind like a movie reel, and you just wish to yourself, I sure do wish I could get like a do-over here some kind of fresh start, something that could just kind of erase all the baggage that I just drug in here this morning because I feel scarred and I feel beat. I need a restart. Jesus was telling Nicodemus that you can get one. You can be born again. Through faith in Jesus, you can find yourself in the place to receive a new birth that all those things in your past become done away with before God. That is how the cross and the resurrection are inextricably connected together because not only did Jesus pay for your failures and carry all of your sorrows, but he was not crushed forever beneath them because he overcame them. He overcame your sorrows by busting out of the grave in a renewed body in the newness of life and the very fullness of the life of God by the power of the Spirit. That his own bloodied and beat up body was made new. And the man who was once known as a man of sorrows was now known as the man of life. And he says, do you want newness of life now? Do you want it? Because I have it. He says, I've done it for you. If you believe in me, I can give you my spirit that will wipe away all of your sin and provide you a blank slate and a do-over and a new empowerment that will walk with you day by day and fill you hour by hour and minute by minute to give life to your mortal bodies even now. The next thing that I want to look at is that through the spirit, we can drink from the rivers of life today. A few chapters later in the Gospel of John, Jesus in chapter 7 is, is seen standing in the temple on a high holy day, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of, of Booths, and he's standing there, and this is, there's crowds everywhere, right? There's, there's a lot of people in the temple, and he stands up, and it says that he, he cries out. This is not a, a, you know, a quiet conversation here. Jesus cries out, and he says, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his 
his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's a little subscript there by the author John who wrote this down. He says, Jesus was speaking of the spirit that was soon to be given because he had not yet been glorified and had not yet been given. Glorification referred to his resurrection. Now Jesus is stealing imagery from this, this crazy prophetic vision that we find in the Hebrew scriptures in Ezekiel 47, where Ezekiel received a vision of a future temple, a third temple that was just absolutely huge and magnificent. And out of the center of the innermost parts of this temple, a river came out. A fountain just burst open and the river started flowing from inside of this temple and it flowed out. The waters became so deep and so wide and the current was so strong that it flowed out of the temple and hit into the outdoors. And wherever this river touched, life began teeming. This river was full of fish, fish innumerable. And all along the banks of this river, Isaiah saw fruit trees that were popping up. And he says that their fruit was born in all seasons and that their leaves brought healing. And Jesus is saying that that river can start flowing out of you even now. And John helps us, helps us to see that the rivers of living water is the spirit of God giving life to you even now. You see, the resurrection provided Jesus with that life. Romans 8 tells us this very clearly, that it was the Spirit of God who rose him from the dead. And that Spirit, if you believe in Christ this morning, it dwells in you. That is a crazy thing to think about. The power of that Spirit who literally brought a man back from the dead now dwells in you. That gives life to your bodies. And this is a living water that can flow in you this morning. Now, I love taking my kids down to Brandywine Springs and letting them play by the river. We did this just a few weeks ago. It was freezing cold and they still jumped in to go swimming. We walk, all, we walk uh, down the creek and over the railroad tracks to the other branch of the river that is wide and a little more calm, not so many rocks. It's perfect for skipping rocks. We sit there and the water is clear. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. At least it's peaceable for all six of my children get there. The people who are enjoying their quietness usually get their chairs and kind of scoot, you know, down because, you know, it's what happens when my family walks up. But when you see that river, you see that water, it doesn't dry up. The springs of life that the Spirit brings us means that your soul, your heart is in need of water. And not just one or two cups but you know deep down that you have this eternal-sized hole in your life that nothing in this world can fill. We are always trying to stuff it, aren't we, though? Trying to find cheap satisfaction and cheap things just to wake up and realize that it didn't fill. It didn't satisfy. That nothing on this worth can satisfy. And as C.S. Lewis so wisely observed, thinking through that, he said, if nothing on this earth can satisfy, all that means is that you were made for a different world. You see, this river of life in scriptures, it doesn't stop flowing. And it means that your soul needs that kind of current. It needs that kind of fullness that never stops flowing because that is God who knows no 
end. God cannot be squeezed in a box. He is, he is boundless. He fills this world. He fills all of creation with his glory. And he is offering himself to you to fill that gap and that void in your life. And Jesus is saying, come and drink of the living waters. This is how the resurrection is available to you even now. But he also says, I don't want that just to begin in the future. He wants to renew you today. This is a work of renewal. It's not just for new Christians, but for those Christians in this room who have been walking with Jesus for quite some time. If you feel stale, you feel stagnant, you just feel like you're kind of walking through the motions and you have your own difficulties and struggles that are arising that are either past or present, the Spirit is still with you, still offering you that never-ending current of life flowing in you. The third point, what do these things mean? That you can be raised with Christ today. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you can be cleansed of your sins and raised to newness of life. I want to read this in Ephesians chapter 2. This is a story of all who know Jesus. This is our story right here. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there, right? Because there's two words that come up. It's very important after that. All of our hope rests on it says, but God... Can you say that with me? But God, rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. You know what it says next, church? It says that he made us alive together in Christ. Say it with me. He made us alive together with Christ. If that is not resurrection language, I don't know what is. Paul continues, he says, by grace you have been saved. And there's even more resurrection language that comes up. And he says, by grace you have been saved and raised. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, in that life to come, when he makes his way back to this earth, that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. That salvation from death to life. It means that the work of the Spirit of God will make you look back on your former self. You see those old pictures of you and you say, who is that? They kind of look familiar. Like I kind of remember that shirt and I kind of remember that, but I don't know who that person is anymore. That person's gone because I'm a different person in Christ. It would cause you to see those old pictures and say, I don't know who that person is anymore. Just like we spoke of on Friday night that we have been crucified with Christ. The old person is dead. It died with Christ in the tomb. But that new person has been raised with Jesus on this very morning. We have received new life even today. He can bring life and meaning out of the deepest and messiest of circumstances. 
It can bring life out of the ashes of abuse, out of the ashes of a broken family, out of the ashes of sadness and difficulty and the anxieties that we carry. That river of life can flow down and touch those broken circumstances and suddenly cause a fruit tree to grow out of your own broken story. It's leaves providing healing and fruit growing all year long for you to grasp and take hold of, giving you life, giving you hope in Jesus Christ that he has come, that he did rise from the dead and he will one day return to make all things new and make his work of healing and renewal permanent forever and forever. This brings us to our last point today. That the empty tomb is a promise, a guarantee that nothing can separate you from God's love. At the near the end of our sermon, I want to look at Romans chapter 8. Because the reality is once you have the Spirit of God, after faith in Jesus, repentance of sins, and he gives you the Spirit of God as you were baptized, the baptism being symbol of you being buried with him but raised to walk in newness of life. When you receive the Spirit of God and that river starts flowing through you and you are raised, nothing can take your salvation away. Nothing. The empty tomb serves as a promise that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 31 through 39 says this. What then shall we say to these things? What do we, how do we respond to the things we've heard this morning? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Paul continues on. He says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written for a man who was literally being chased down, eventually was murdered for his faith. He says, for it is written, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And he continues on, he says, no, in all of these things, Whatever mess you walked into this morning, right, carrying on your shoulders and all of those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen to that. We are not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. The one who conquered the grave has given us even more. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. He's running out of stuff to say. Nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Look deep inside of your heart today, Christian. If you've been walking with Jesus your whole life, be reminded that because of his victory over death, you have been brought near to God and he loves you so much. If you are here and you're not sure where you are with Jesus, know that he is offering you the greatest love that you can never find anywhere else in this earth. The very love you've been looking for your whole life is being offered to you right now, freely, by his blood and by his resurrection. I want to ask the worship team to come up. We actually are going to close with two songs today.
The kind of love we're talking about, the Hebrew scriptures has a name for it called hesed love. You actually spit when you say it. It's hachid, you know, the one's Hebrew words, right? And agape love is what the New Testament calls it. It is a love that is given to you and offered to you on behalf of God that is a covenant love. It is not contingent or dependent on your own love being given back, which is good news because we are fickle people. One day on fire for Jesus, but the next day we feel like we stumble and fall yet again. But God's love is consistent. It flows like that river. It can never be broken. It is a gracious love that we do not deserve. And the conquering of Jesus from the grave has provided us this wonderful news that that love will always remain on you for those who are in Christ. That is the good news of Easter, my friends. The invitation is to come this morning and to drink from the waters of life. Find salvation, find healing, and find forgiveness and new life in our Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are our Savior. All of history suddenly from black and white turned into color. On the morning you rose from the grave. We have hope because of it. In a world that does not provide hope. In the world that spins and turns and looks for some kind of meaning somewhere, we have the story that is better than all stories. And in fact, all stories point to of one who left glory and came and lived among us and died for us and conquered the very thing that, re- that we cannot conquer on our own. Would I pray for anyone here who just feels their heart stirring this morning? Lord, that is you that is working in their hearts. Would you break down walls that may keep us from responding to you this morning? Would you break us down, Jesus? And may our lives be completely enveloped in yours this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
without hope, without light, till from heaven you came run. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin king the world from the throne of endless glory to a
Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not done yet, church, all right? Upon his resurrection, he spent some time here on earth, and then he ascended back to heaven. In Revelation, we get a glimpse of the throne room that he ascended unto. In this vision, God sat on his throne. Emeralds and rainbows of color shone about glory beyond anything John, who saw this vision, could have possibly conceived. It surrounded him, angels and elders bowing before God, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And they said, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive honor and glory and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. As John's vision continues, an angel approaches, and he walks forward with a scroll. The problem with this scroll is that it was sealed shut, and no one seemed worthy enough to open the scroll. Revelation 5, verse 2, it says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. And John writing, he says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. That scroll seems to represent the mysteries of the scriptures, the mysteries of God's work in this world that has, is, and will be to come. That the Hebrew scriptures themselves left a little clouded. You see, this morning, the resurrection deals with those ultimate questions concerning all of human history. What does it mean? We've been speaking about personal renewal this morning, new life in the spirit. But in this vision John had, he wept when he saw that sealed scroll. Because maybe some of you this morning are now wondering how your little old life fits into all the glory that John saw. Even now in this world, all the glory that surrounds us. Think big for a minute, church. Even now you are surrounded with glory on this earth beyond your wildest dreams. From life's first cry to our final breath, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And John wept because he wanted to know what that scroll said. He wanted to see once and for all, what does this mean for us, for him? Eugene Peterson, when commenting on this passage, he said it so poetically. He said, John's weeping in this moment is the emotional pivot of the act of worship. He says, what about me? What about this world in which I live in? How does this very inadequate sinner living in this very wicked world, how does it fit into all of this? Someone tapped John on the shoulder and came up in verse five. He says, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seals. Church, weep no more. You can't get a redo or restart this morning. Weep no more because Jesus offers you now the rivers of life to flow in you. Even you can be made alive this morning. Weep no more, church, because the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. He can open the scroll. And now nothing on this earth can separate you from the love of God. 
In this vision of John, it was now that a lamb walked forward, looking as though it had been slain, but he was alive. And it says that everyone in heaven then began singing a new song. So church, with this last song, let's sing out. Let's sing out with all of our might and with all of our strength to our risen Lord Jesus. Amen.